morning. Welcome to week two of our Monday morning talks. And uh, yesterday uh, we were in John chapter five. We were looking at uh, the invalid who was at the pool and um, the pool of Bethsaida. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. He runs into this um I guess it isn't correct that he ran into. Uh, he was probably on purpose. Probably. Uh, but he comes to the pool, lots of sick people there, encounters this man, heals him. Um, hopefully you can take some time out to watch yesterday's sermon if you haven't already. Um, but we're going to kind of dig right in. What I mean, what thoughts did you have right offhand, Mark? <laughs> well, the first thing that jumped out at me, and I was wondering if uh, some of the congregation were wondering too, you you make reference to verse four is missing and it's a footnote and you talked about the manuscript uh, issue and all that. And uh, talks about the angel coming down and stirring the water. And you pretty much poo pooed that. I mean that that probably wasn't what actually happened. Yeah. And it's not in the scripture that, you know, anyway, I think, you address that a little bit more. Sure. Maybe. Yeah, I can. I can definitely talk about that more here uh, than I gave it uh, time for in the sermon. But verse four uh, in a lot of our translations. So in the NIV and ESV and uh, the NSB, a lot of our newer, more recent translations just leave verse four out. Yeah. Um, a lot of them will include it like as a footnote. And really the main reason for that, you've got to understand like, so the reason it's in the King James, the King James was published in 1611. Our NIV, for example, the, it was published in 1978. So you've got 367 years between yeah. the yeah. two being published. Well, the manuscripts that were used in, in translating the King James were from um, Erasmus. In the 1500s, he created this Greek text based on two manuscripts from the 12th century. Well, then in the last 150 years, we've discovered and dug up older manuscripts than that by literal centuries. And those older manuscripts didn't include verse four. Yeah. Um, and so those that were used in, in translating the NIV, they're, they're older, maybe considered more accurate, but also yeah. with those, the, even the older manuscripts we have that do include verse four, uh, there are asterisks or markings in the actual manuscript around the verse huh. uh, that they believe like a scribe um, possibly added verse four yeah. for context. And it makes yeah. sense. Like, I don't think um, leaving verse four completely out of the conversation is good because if we don't have the context of verse four, what's going on around it doesn't make as much sense. Like it's hard to make sense of why are all these people gathered at this pool, uh, sick. If yeah. they, if there isn't a reason like the water <laughs> stirring and there being healing properties in it, then that, that makes it make sense. Um, so you know, that kind of adds at least some background to that whole conversation anyway, and yeah. and helps that make some sense, I hope, anyway. So so a scribe somewhere along the line may have uh, surmised 
this, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, who, who knows? In some of what I was reading, it, it says that in roughly two dozen manuscripts, scribes put asterisk marks around this verse. Uh, um, and, and, you know, one of the, one of the theologians that, you know, has studied this, he, he says, you know, that they were there to warn people who would copy the manuscript that the verse was likely not original. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. The other thing that's there, and, and it, it's part of why they also say that, like, the last five words of verse four are not John, are not consistent with John. Oh. Like, John uses five, or there are five words in verse four that are only used in this verse by wow. John ever. Uh, yeah. And so they're just like, yeah, maybe, maybe it wasn't John who wrote it then. Maybe somebody added it. You should do so. a sermon on translations and textual issues. And yeah, I'd rather like not. <laughs> I'm not smart enough. So, Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, there's something else. Well, you focus on Jesus' question to the man, do you want to get well? I thought that was really good. And uh, we should probably get into that a little bit. But then also down in verses 14 and 15, Jesus encounters him a second time. And Jesus says, sin no more or something worse may happen. And again, you kind of want to read between the lines. What is yeah. going on with this guy? Did he not want to get well? And right. is there some sin? I don't know. if Did you have any thoughts as you were preparing yeah. for this? So there there, are, there were a lot of commentaries that actually say <clears throat> or speculate that, well, that maybe something the man was doing and his sin was directly related to his health condition. Yeah. Um. I kind of don't necessarily follow that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I just think it was Jesus. Like it's consistent with Jesus. Even if you go back, like I brought up in a conversation with somebody yesterday, the friends that bring their friend to Jesus in the yeah. crowded house, they take him up on the roof on his mat yeah. and they lower him through the roof. Even in that yeah. conversation, Jesus actually asked that guy, you know, another question, but he says, what's greater you know, that you're yeah. healed or that your sins are forgiven. And yeah. so I think Jesus is getting into the spiritual here. And yeah. a lot of times he gets there faster <laughs> with people um, in their encounters. The fact that it, he has this conversation with the man later, um, I think plays into this greater conversation that's happening with the religious leaders and them being so opposed to Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but I think what it, what he basically is saying there is, man, um, what, what's worse, like 38 years of the, this physical sickness is pretty bad or an eternity <laughs> right without God. Yeah. And, and an eternity of spiritual sickness, like man, that far outweighs yeah. anything, you know? So Jesus is just saying, you need to, you need to go and be, and be holy. You need to become and live into like, it's this idea, second Corinthians five seventeen, Um, and actually Larry talked about it in his, um, testimony with our sermon yes. yesterday, but yes. it's this idea. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And, and I think Jesus is just telling him it's time to live into, to your new creation. It's, it's yes. time to live into that and, and be, become that. Yeah. Well, it made me think, someone made a comment once, and it so fits our 
Christian culture today, our culture uh, overall, um, you know, come as you are to Jesus, you know, just as I am, I come, but you're not going to stay the same. Yeah. You know, sometimes we have come as you are and we leave it at that. Yeah. And this guy, Jesus does a follow up with him. Okay. There needs to be some, uh, it was, that's, uh, that's pretty transformation. Good. in your yeah. Life. yeah. That, that's, a, <clears throat> I, there's such an immediate, when I think about my own story and my own conversion mm-hmm. and the way, like I, yeah, there are big moments that I can point to, but then also like in my overall transformation, there, there are more like seasons and years where transformation was taking place. And I remember I, we were talking earlier, like when Jesus got my attention, I met with a small group in high school, then yeah. my, the, my last couple of years of high school. And I remember this light bulb going off for me at one point that it was just like, man, there are things, there are places that I used to go. Um, things that I used to listen to and watch and do that. I just can't, do that anymore. Like yeah. it's harmful to my relationship with Jesus. It isn't helping me follow him. And that was a conviction of the Holy spirit in my life. I think that was part of my transformation, but there was this moment I remember sitting in our small group and realizing like, man, um, you know, if we were in that small group together, it would be like me saying, Mark, I can't, I have to leave this movie. I can't watch this movie, but that doesn't mean that you can't. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily harmful mm. to your walk with Jesus. It just is to mine. And I, that's what I think is so contrasting here. Because like when you, in your communion meditation yesterday, these religious leaders, they're talking about obedience to an unhealthy, <laughs> sinful level then. Yeah. Because they've added rules that don't exist in scripture, like, well, you carrying your mat on the Sabbath, that's working. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's not, he was not doing work. It's almost silly. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I think there's this like tension there between like, sometimes we, we want to be obedient and become holy. Yeah. But we don't want to like rule each other to death and become legalistic about it. When you were preaching, I was sitting there and said, Oh, Oh, because you're talking about obedience is a good thing, you know, and I'm thinking my communion meditation would be about obedience gone bad, you know, so I had to make sure uh, there is a good obedience, but there's also legalism. Is yeah. That. And that was the, the other thing that jumped out at me in this text was about the Sabbath keeping issue and, and uh, the Pharisees said they persecuted Jesus because of this healing on the Sabbath. And then eventually they wanted to kill him because he was making himself equal with God. Uh, yeah. Later on. And this was pretty early in John, John chapter five. And they're already. It's a, to it, do away with him. This actually, a lot of the commentaries I was reading and studying, they say that this is actually the turning point in that narrative this, with John's gospel. That uh, from this point on, like the religious leaders are out to get him now. Yeah. This was kind of the turning point. And I think the turning point in my opinion, anyway, can be summarized in, in what Jesus says, you know, his last statement, um, you know, they're asking about this, why, why, um, this, this was going on and why he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And in verse 17, he says, 
my father is working until now and I am working. And I think the turning point here is Jesus equating himself with the father. Yeah. Out of his own mouth, he's saying, my, my father has been working and I'm working. Like, yeah, we're, we're the same, you know, it's as if Jesus is, is revealing to them. I'm God. Yeah. And they had a real problem with that. Verse next verse. Yeah. says uh, they tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Yeah. Yeah. And that equality, I think, man, they just weren't grasping that. <laughs> Couldn't handle that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, anyway. Uh, on this, the legalism thing, just a little bit more on that. And uh, I was talking about this a little earlier. I was raised, some would say, in a legalistic environment uh we were not allowed to play cards no dancing uh no movies you know s- stuff like that and when we even when we went to bible college there were some pretty strict rules about hair length and stuff like that and i know that all be legalism you know foisting things but i'm not sure that was all bad and i, I struggle with that a little bit you know i'm kind of maybe i could call them guidelines that were given in a sense uh Maybe it's just the attitude behind them. I don't know. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that. But Yeah. No, I just think um, there's a tension there and there's a line that we walk that like there are certain things that are helpful and there are certain things that become legalistic. Yeah. And, and figuring out when we're crossing that line and when we're not is super important. Um, I just don't know. You know, in some cases, it's like I said, there were boundaries that I had to set up for myself right? that I didn't necessarily have to enforce those boundaries for everyone else around me. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that's... so I think there's a maturity thing there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like we talk about as a val- core value mm-hmm. of our church, relationships are more important than rules. So having a relationship with Jesus is the key thing having a relationship with each other is so key. And even in mentoring, then like there's wise counsel. Sometimes we need help setting up boundaries that will do this. Yeah. This kind of thing for us. Uh, But having a larger body of people just say, this is, this is how you have to live. And this is what you have to do. Like (laughs) that tends to probably be where we get legalistic then. Yeah. Well, I'll be honest, there's times I wish people wouldn't do certain things, but I'm not sure I can say it's sinful. Yeah. It's just kind of a preference, for lack of a better term. And maybe I'm weak in some area uh, that someone else can do and they're not weak. So, anyway, I thought it was a very good sermon, and I heard a lot of comments yesterday on it, and I would encourage you to listen to this sermon. And no, community, great. community meditation was good too. So <laughs> it was. This is a, this is a great series. I'm I'm loving the it testimonies from our people. Yeah, um, we've got another great testimony coming this week from someone in our church, and yeah. So I love being able to pair those things together and really just talk about like kind of the way I started the sermon yesterday. Like everybody's journey with Jesus. Everybody's yeah. you know transformation and. Every, really everybody's conversion like there's no cookie cutter 
Nope. They don't look the They're same. They're all unique. Yep. We're all different. And yep. yeah. So, well, thanks for joining us again this week. Have a great week.